Hey kids, you're about to listen to a comedy podcast. That means none of this is medical advice. If you need medical advice or medical care, please contact your doctor. Welcome to the Jock Doc Podcast featuring Dr. London Smith. He can run for miles and he's done clinical trials. He's the Jock Doc. Introducing your host, Doc. Hello. And welcome to the Jock Doc Podcast, where we discuss fitness and health, and how to incorporate our modern understanding of science and medicine into our daily lives, but without it being so boring. I'm your host, Dr. LennonSmith.com. I would like to begin by apologizing to our listeners. We've received some feedback about the excessive amount of technical medical terms that I've been using, such as stippled epiphysis and upon a slitted sheet I sit. So I'll try to temper my terminology to a simpler one in the future. Here to help with that is our producer Cameron. Hi, Doctor London. Hi there. How was your uh, How was your weekend? It was all right. I mean, you know, I didn't. Uh, you know, it wasn't all planned. What happened? But um, you know, it was. Yeah. But you you definitely reacted like it was planned. Yeah. So like yeah. So as you know, I've. I've been sort of taking up these clinical trials. I know for the for the vaccine, people, you know, we're all doing these clinical trials, you know, to try the vaccine. Uh-huh. Yes. And so I thought, why stop there? Yeah. Normally, I'm giving out the medicine. Because you, the, the trials you're going on have nothing to do with the vaccine. You're just interjecting that right now because it's kind of sounds like a moral high ground. Well, it's... Like, it sounds like noble and just that you're doing these clinical trials. Yes. I mean, I guess the reason I introduced it that way is because I w- it wasn't even on my radar to do a clinical trial like yeah. like any of these beforehand. So but These trials you've been telling me about are weird, Dr. London. I, like, I know the word trial can mean a lot of different things, but A, I don't think a courthouse should be involved. Nope. And B, the like time, the hunting time trials that you guys do. Yeah. Where you're, it's like, yo, you're given three minutes to bag as many rabbits as possible. I, I don't understand that part at all. Okay. Yeah. And well, and you know, I guess you're not a doctor, I guess is the short answer there. But, um, damn, son. Yeah. That is true. And I guess I should specify. So some of these clinical trials that I've done. Um, are ones where I sign up to be hunted, and then other ones are where someone else signs up to be hunted. So it's not, it, it's not all one thing. You're kind of painting broad strokes here. I want to clarify: these clinical trials are, you know, that it, it varies by whichever trial. But I just, I hadn't even thought about doing a clinical trial until I kept getting all these advertisements for the the vaccine. Well, and it's like that short story, the most dangerous catch. Is is that the one where they go uh, hunt crabs at sea? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're on this huge fishing boat, and basically one of the crabs is so big that it's hunting the people. So the tables have turned. Right. Yeah, it's one of those things where I, I feel so unplugged sometimes. Like, I just, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm surprised, because, yes, we do do most of these out, out at sea in international waters, um, just to, there are a lot of legal things that you can really get around that way, uh, to do these clinical trials. But yeah. So when you asked how my weekend was, uh, it, yeah. So the ship did sink, but I made it back ashore. So yeah. I'd like to think that, um, it was, it wasn't exactly according to plan. It was a successful trial. Yeah. Oh, I made it back. And that was, I guess what you guys were testing. Yeah. Safety. 
It was a test of safety. Oh, okay. So, so yeah. there, it's different phases of clinical trials. So the first phase of a given clinical trial is going to be safety. And then you test efficacy. Right. So this one is saying, like, can this pill be taken if you're on a sinking boat? Yeah. I, I will say it was just can this pill be taken because the boat. Oh, yeah. That was the part that, you know, I. People don't know this, but testing medicine is very similar to how, you know, cavemen back in the day would would test like different types of mushrooms to see what's poisonous and what's not. And by that, I mean, you just you just take them. No one knows what's going to happen at first. And then you whittle it down like the the trials usually start with you have like 300 pills Mm -hmm. and you're just kind of trying them and different things are going to happen. And then you whittle out like. Well, these make this thing grow. These make this thing go away. This stops this thing. To, to some extent, this is, you know, we're getting a little bit into pharmacology here, which is a bit complex for where we're at. I just, yeah. just to make clear, the, just it was just the first phase of the clinical trial. So it's not. Okay. We, well, yeah. No, well, I'm, thank you for telling me about your weekend. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want, you know. I don't normally try to talk about my personal life so much. Um, yeah. But of course, well, and because most of it lately has just been this, yeah. So yeah, which been a lot of, well, I sometimes I tell people it's vacation, but really, yes, it's, yeah. it's going out to to see to swallow a pill and um, see if I make it back. Yep. Also known as the ultimate trial. So, um, anyway, so so that was our producer Cameron. Uh, also with us is Digital in the House Clinical, Clinical Trial. I've been sort of taking up these clinical trials. I know for the vaccine, we're all doing these clinical trials. I've been sort of taking up these clinical trials. I know for the vaccine, we're all doing these clinical trials. I've been sort of taking up these clinical trials. I know for the vaccine, we're all doing these clinical trials. I've been sort of taking up these clinical trials. It wasn't even on my radar to do a clinical trial. Clinical trial. Clinical trial. Clinical trial. I've been sort of taking up these clinical trials. I know for the vaccine, we're all doing these clinical trials. I've been sort of taking up these clinical trials. It wasn't even on my radar to do a clinical trial. And later... Cameron tells me that we can expect a special guest. So, uh. That's right, Dr. London. I mean, I have to assume. Every week, someone shows up and is a guest. Usually, you, you find them somewhere, right? Like, you. I, well, I, I definitely have been telling you that. But I would say at least half the weeks, I say that we have a guest and I have no idea what's going to happen. And thank God someone just drops by. Okay. Yeah. Like, because there are definitely times whenever people were in full, you know, pizza delivery uniform, and I, mm-hmm. I thought, okay, is this a doctor? And but they they do turn out usually to be pizza delivery drivers. Okay, but before I move on, I would like to address a bit of listener feedback. I found this note written in um, it's it was written on my big white fence. That is to say, it's it's 
written on the big white guy I know who sells stolen goods. Uh, the note reads, quote, that was not me. Deborah had the rash and she is telling everyone it was me. I do not affiliate with her and her rash. You take someone to the doctor to be helpful and this is what you get. Lesson learned. Tell Deborah." End quote. So, first of all, thank you for reaching out to us at the Jock Talk Podcast. Um, I don't always read what's written on my fence. I'll say that now. Um, yeah, but it sounds like one of your patients brought in a friend or family member who had a rash, and they're mad that you helped them? It's, that's that's what I'm getting at. It's, it is... I'm, granted, my patients do know that the best way to communicate, you know, some people do it through a, sort of a patient portal messaging system. For me, mm-hmm. it is you know, put it into your newspaper, uh, like at the right. st- crossword yes, puzzles, yes. Uh, license plates, that kind of thing. But, um, this yeah. one was a little bit more direct in that it's written on the, the fence that I know who sells the stolen goods. Um, so anyway, I guess they're just correcting me on this, this little note that I need to make in their chart where, uh, so Deborah is the one who has the, the, the rash. So yeah, and so I mean they have a good point like you you always take care of these patients when they come in but you never even consult their friends and family to see like is this actually the best option for them. In terms of my treatment plan? Yeah. Like she comes in with a rash but like did you even consult any of her friends or like her fans? Maybe she has fans of whether or not that rash is an important part of her personality. Right. Okay, I I hadn't considered that. I I I have to feel as if HIPAA could be violated there, but not if it's through email. People don't know that HIPAA only applies if it's if you're like on the phone, okay, or it's... if you're in person. But if you email someone, it doesn't matter because that could be a hacker. On the you can't prove that it's not. Are you saying it could be a hacker if it's on the phone, or if it, it could be a hacker if it's through email? Through emails that you can just say it was a hacker. Oh, okay. You can do that with anything through. You have email. the easy out, is what you're saying. You, yeah. you have an excuse. Okay. Yeah, that's why if I try to break up with someone, but I want to like maybe keep it open, I'll do it through email. So that way, if I want to take it back the next day, I can say that was a hacker, and they'll be like, "How did the hacker know so many of the specifics about my family?" And then I would say, "Oh, I, I don't know." Maybe he must have hacked your your journals. Yeah. Okay. I I feel like I mean that that that's a lot about your personal. So so you've broken up with people via email, just wording it kind of like a spam email, just in case. Yes. Yeah. Changing font sizes. A lot of click here, but like it it's different letters are high are clickable yeah like the whole word no, isn't this does just sound like your average email in general so it's mm-hmm. i mean i guess that makes sense okay um well anyway to that listener thank you for listening and for submitting your feedback uh now for today's medical topic cavernous hemangiomas cavernous hemangiomas are vascular tumors that are usually small and asymptomatic they are the most common type of benign liver tumor So as the size of the tumor increases, as can happen due to pregnancy or use of oral contraceptives, the symptoms increase, and uh, they may include right upper quadrant abdominal pain or mass. Mm, This is kind of crazy. I I just read a book about this. It was like a spy thriller, but like I just read a book about this. So I, I might actually interject here every once in a while with my own sort of maybe controversial takes on this subject. Okay. Uh, on ca- cavernous because because this isn't a super long subject so i 
but it, it's cavernous hemangiomas. You, you've mm-hmm. read a book about it, and it was a spy thriller. Yes. Th- this yeah. benign liver tumor. Yeah, no, it was. I ooh, it, it's got to be like a Grisham or something like that. And I think it was about a guy who was a doctor, but it was also a spy. I don't know. I don't remember a lot of it, but I just read a book about this. So I feel pretty educated on the subject. Okay. You go ahead with your yeah. answer. I'm not trying no, to interrupt. I'm just saying I'm going to interject sometimes yeah. with maybe some controversial opinions okay. on this. Uh, so complications of cavernous hemangiomas, uh, they're uncommon, but if the tumor is very large, they could, it could rupture. Uh, and that could, you know, hemorrhage. It could cause obstructive jaundice, uh, coagulopathy, congestive heart failure secondary to a large AV shunt, uh, mm. gastric outlet obstruction. Uh, and this is all, you know, with most benign tumors, it's like this, where the bigger it gets, the more it can block or obstruct or, you know, cause problems simply because of size. Well, and it's interesting that you mentioned that, Dr. London, because... If you look at the broader picture of sort of the larger scale of sort of how these sort of medical aspects affect different sized communities, but also sort of the places yeah. where... So, and I, I hate to interrupt you there because it sounds... Uh-huh. It sounds like you're going kind of sort of macro with this you, idea. I, I told you it might be a little controversial, and so, like, I, I thought this show was a little more free than that, but I understand you don't want to you don't want to turn people off. I get it. So anyway, uh, for cavernous hemangiomas, you can diagnose with ultrasound or CT scan with IV contrast. Uh, biopsy is actually contraindicated because of risk of rupture and hemorrhages. Um, most cases do not require treatment. Uh, consider resection if the patient is symptomatic or if there's a high risk of rupture. And once again, that can happen with large tumors. But uh. Well, and see, this is an interesting point because if you if you focus on you, the you talk about high, mm-hmm. but that ends up being sort of a relative when you look at sort of a larger scale aspect of different demographics, and you look at sort of like the different ways they sort of when you sort of turn it on its on its okay. edge. So, so you're when you sort of are you, I I feel what? like you're maybe going epidemiological about it, but once again, this is a you know, it's it's just a benign vascular tumor in the the liver. It's not. It's very interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, do. You, and this is the kind of back and forth that I'm glad that we can have on this podcast freely. Yeah. Yeah. This controversial back and forth. Uh, and like, I hate to interrupt you. Maybe we can return to it. But do you want to move on yeah, for no, now? Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. All right, uh, Cameron, you said that we have a guest today. Is that right? That's right, Dr. London. Or again, I have to assume. I have to assume when I'm going to turn around right here, there will be someone in the guest yeah. chair. Yeah, okay. Um, so do we want to do that right now? Ooh, d- uh, yeah, no, no, I think I'm ready. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. One, two, three. Whoa. Whoa. Greetings, gentlemen. <laughs> Hello. See, I told you, Doctor London. It's all. It always works out. Okay. Yeah. Just like my my clinical trials. Uh. Well. Hello there. My name is Doctor London Smith. And this is our producer Cameron. What was your name? Hello, Doctor London. Hello, Cameron. My name is Doctor Charbel Byrne. Hello, Doctor. Great. Uh. You know, great job, Cameron. Normally, we don't. Uh. We don't have as many doctors on here as I as I would like. So. Um. 
I'm a psychoanalyst. Okay. Okay. That's. And I can already tell just from the first 12 minutes of your podcast that the two of you have relationship problems that run Ooh. deep. That is definitely true. I mean, yeah, there's I have I'm, there's no reason to den- deny that at all. Wow, this is a... Uh... This guy sucks. Okay, it's... Who, me? No, <laughs> Oh, just... you mean Jack London. <laughs> oh, yeah, Dr. London is just... It's just... He, sucks is probably maybe too harsh. What's but... a different way to say it? Is there a way to affirm your feelings without hurting his? I, I don't think that's mm. possible. Yeah, that's going to be difficult. But we could say maybe like... I think if it was a group setting of maybe like 30 or 40 people, maybe that's how our relationship should be going forward. You, so you're saying you want to be exposed. What is it you want to expose, Cameron? Ooh, what do I want to expose? Well, so there is this one thing. So my grandfather was sort of around when JFK was shot. And I don't want to say that he was like involved as much as just he he doesn't want to talk about that day. Cameron, you got to look inside. Close your eyes. Okay. I'm closing my eyes. Picture the grassy knoll. Is your grandpa there? Uh, yes. Well, then I think he was probably part of the assassination. Yeah. You know, in his defense, his grandpa loves grassy knolls. Like, every, every Saturday, he goes to that same grassy knoll. And I don't mm-hmm. know if that's remembering or if it's just enjoying because grassy knolls historically are nice places to to visit he just likes to roll around on it and you know i love the grassy knoll you know we we, dr lynn and i have visited dallas a few times and i like how that site just has a big ugly yellow like like sign that just says the grassy knoll that cost maybe 15 dollars, and that's how that city recognizes a you very historic location. You'd think they'd decorate it more or say something a little more significant. you think there would be... I think there's a plaque and a statue, and then there's a guy there every single day passing out conspiracy pamphlets. I, I think... Which is, what would help? This, all of this is very, very true. What would help for me is if every year they put in another grassy knoll for every year since mm. this mystery went unsolved. That's what what would benefit me, I think. like uh, Dr. London, of- that's ridiculous. That The city would be full of grassy knolls. I mean, what's it been? 50-some years. Yeah, but the, think, I mean, from from your accent, it sounds like you're uh, probably from across a pond where, where there are many grassy knolls. That's and, true. Ireland's chock full of grassy knolls. Yeah, so, so what if, you know, we brought a little bit of Ireland, brought that Irish charm to this area where JFK was shot? Yeah, and, that's a really good idea. Yeah, see, and I, you know, I hate to toot my own horn on this, but I've been I've been campaigning on this for a while, that let's get more grassy knolls just throughout Dallas. Let's replace some of these streets that are so dark and gray mm-hmm. with a grassy well, knoll. Well, and some of these schools, some of these museums, some of these, like, bars and restaurants. Yeah, I the think, skyscrapers. Well, and you think, like all these restaurants and stuff have had to remain closed or under weird operating hours because of COVID. But if they were just all grassy knolls, you can't control that. Anything that happens on a grassy knoll is legal basically because it's not owned by anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Legally. It's natural land. I'm just saying that's my grandfather was around. I probably 
and he seems to uh, hide a lot of different things. But what really? What what does your grandpa hide? Um, his drinking problem, and uh, the fact that he had probably killed JFK. Those are the two main things, and they may be related. I would say so. I would say that there was probably a lot of uh, the Venn diagram there is pretty kind of just one big circle. But why are we talking about me, Doctor? I want to get to know you. Who? What brings you here today? Uh, Doctor Jack London, a fellow doctor, emailed me, and um, uh, I decided, hell, I'll come on and talk about whatever they want to talk about. Okay. Yeah. This. Okay. So that doctor does. We. Dr. Jack London and I have communicated quite a bit. Um, Dr. London, it's it's another Dr. London, uh, has repeated to me over and over that I should be psychoanalyzed. So, and Cameron, mm. I didn't think it would come today, much less during the podcast. So I, you know, I, I apologize because this is on me to some extent. I didn't schedule a formal appointment or anything. Once again, my fault. Um but I guess... Oh, this is fine. This is great. I think this is long overdue. Yeah, so um, I guess if we're all... I, I, I guess it's it's time for me to, to start sort of sharing my things. Um, yes, share away. That's what I'm here for. Okay, so I guess I'll start, you know, similar to where camera started because both of us kind of have grandpa issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my grandpa, um, he's always denying... Um, his involvement in any war. Now, uh, I've, you know, I'm always, you know, trying to honor our veterans and everything, and I try to honor my grandpa, but he denies having been in any war. And I can't prove it yet, but I, I'm almost positive he was in a war. Maybe two. Yes. Well, and he's always vacationing in areas where a war just started. Okay, yeah, okay. Yes, this is... Uh, he's usually there like the day before a war starts and is there for maybe three months afterwards on vacation. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, you don't want to draw conclusions necessarily, especially about your own grandpa, but it is one of those things where just like whenever you see maybe an ethical or a HIPAA violation by a fellow doctor, you do start to consider mm -hmm. maybe it's time to, um, uh, call call attention to what what needs attention because accountability is important uh, in medicine. So what what are you what, what are you getting? You're saying a lot of words, but what what what's what's your issue here? You, you your grandfather's too badass for you. I just, well, like you said, I he may be starting the wars. Um, now once again, he he won't even admit that he's been to war at all. Oh. Yeah, uh, and so so. And maybe your suspicion is right because I'm debating now. Did he fight in a war, or did he just was it more of a diplomatic situation where he started the wars? I'm talking about, um, you know, uh, whenever whenever Russia moved territories all those years ago, or uh, just a few years ago in what 2014, uh, the the Crimean mm -hmm. area, all of that. My grandpa was there. Well, and he was hanging out with with like the Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Yeah. Like the day before no, I, that happened. I should say that was my great grandfather, but yes, that was right. Uh, yeah, there's like pictures of them. There's like selfies of them hanging out and stuff, which I just yeah. thought that was kind of odd. And to you know, uh, Doctor Doctor Burns' credit here, I I I am afraid that some of this may be genetic. 
you know, there's a nature versus nurture aspect. And I was wondering, uh, huh. Dr. Byrne, do you see how distraught? I'll tell you what I see. I see two guys sitting there with deep seated grandpa issues that they haven't worked out. Your grandpas have caused wars, possibly the assassination of JFK. You got to look inside and see how does it make you feel that your grandpas are, a whole history of grandpas are evil men. It just makes me feel like I haven't lived up to my potential. Are you implying that you might try to start a war yourself? No, I don't. That's the thing is like, I have no, I don't have the, I don't know, the gumption, the, 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 desire to put in the effort to pull off like a huge assassination it's just i'd rather i just rather watch tv you know what i mean like i'm lazy and that that kind of bums me out you know it makes me feel bad well cameron you've got to think you're mixing up what you see as laziness with being a morally responsible citizen that's good you don't want to want to start wars well what okay i feel like enough of Maybe it's just my family history, but like to some extent, I'm kind of wondering. Cameron, Cameron is a very odd approach to these things where he will intentionally try to bumble into starting conflict. Uh, so he won't, he, I don't think Cameron would assassinate anyone, but would he? You're saying when I go on Bumble and yeah. match with people and then start yelling yeah. at them? And you've. That's just funny. That's just fun. Yeah, well, it's just. Start accusing them of things. You know, it starts out small. As, I, I'm sorry, uh, Dr. Byrne, this is your profession more than mine, but in my opinion, you know, he starts small with dating apps. When you escalate the conflict further, then could that... It could lead to a, an assassination of a... Yeah, or... Well, Cameron, you've got to ask yourself, why? Why are you bumbling and then yelling at the people? What relationship from your past are you recreating? Oh, man. What relationship from my past am I recreating? I don't... I don't Unless we get the help we need, we recreate the same relationships over and over. Yeah, that, that was Freud said that. That's right. So I, I don't know. I would say maybe like my relationship with my dog or my relationship with my pool. Like I have a, I have a contentious relationship with my pool. How so, Cam? Well, the skimmer keeps getting a bunch of leaves in it, and again, I. I want to reiterate how lazy I am. So I don't like cleaning that out super frequently. And you're supposed to do it like all the time. And I feel like the pool mm. puts in no effort to just take care of that stuff on its own. Well, you got to ask yourself, Cameron, what relationship are you recreating with your pool? What significant figure in your life was messy that you couldn't clean up because of your laziness? Wow. Okay. This is big. Yeah. This is huge. Okay. I guess my relationship with Dr. London. Exactly. He, it, I mean, it's true. It's, I'm constantly trying to fix him and fix just whatever the hell's going on over there. And I don't like swimming in his pool. And yeah, most it's mostly pool related. It's mostly dragging him in the pool and then sort of trying to teach him how to swim that way. People say like the best way to teach someone how to swim is just throw him in the pool. I keep doing that. Dr. Lennon keeps saying, I know how to swim, but it doesn't fix anything, doctor. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing anymore, you know? You got to ask yourself, where does it come from, this urge to repeatedly throw Dr. London in the pool? What is it that you're covering up with this addictive behavior to tossing Dr. London in the pool? Yeah, teaching me to swim, I would think that's more of an excuse since you know that I know how to swim. And like, like at, at bet, like I'm holding electronics sometimes, but aside from that, it's, it's pretty just annoying. Yeah. 
So what's, yeah, what is this underlying issue? I guess the the feeling I'd be having is anger. Okay. And usually hunger, because sometimes he'll he will be eating something, and I'll I don't want to take it from him because that would be rude. But if I make it wet and make it where he can't eat it, then that makes me feel good. So you enjoy eating wet food? No, no, no. I don't. No one eats it. But it's just the fact that I'm taking it away from him makes me feel really good. And that's just the foundation of our relationship. I think that's something really special. I would say maybe you don't have to be embarrassed about the times whenever you have given in and eaten the wet food. I don't think that that's, you know, you have it's not like you do it every time, but you know, whenever Well, yeah, if it's like a cookie or something that you would like dip in milk, yeah, who cares if it's if it's just soaking wet and it's just yeah. sort of a pile of mush that I'm scooping into my to my mouth like a baby Cameron you're trying to revert scoop and mush in your mouth like a baby whoa mm. that would explain a lot of my recent behavior in terms of I throwing fits in restaurants I threw my keys at the waitress the other day yes you're reverting and just because I was cranky and um yeah I mean I watched Peppa Pig for like 13 hours and it was just the same episode that was yesterday. You fully reverted. Is that good? Nope. You're not saying if any of this is good or bad. <laughs> That's not my job to morally judge. I'm here to draw out of you the answers you know are true deep down. Okay, so I mean, I'm comfortable with all of this. Well, then I guess you don't need therapy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I, guess- I refuse to change. I guess I should have probably stated that up front. Dr. London, though, he needs to be fixed. Yeah, I... I guess I'm glad that we've been focusing on Cameron because it's made it easier for me. But the reason why you're here is Dr. Jack London, um, you know, really impressing it upon you to seek me out. And uh, we could just talk about Cameron's pool thing, though. Like, that sounds easier than... uh, I'm I'm confused. Are you Dr. Jack London or not? Oh, oh, okay. No, I'm not Dr. Jack London. I'm drlondonsmith.com. But you're friends with Dr. Jack London. But you're friends with Dr. Jack London. That's right. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so, and I I understand how confusing it is because we are both Dr. London to whatever extent. Yes. But. um, Well, that's something you might want to think about, Dr. Smith. So. Having a first name like London. Think about the significant weight that carries with it. One of the greatest cities in the world. That's true. I, you know, the the British Empire and all that, and I've, you know, then the history of colonization, and that's okay. I guess maybe this is the point that we we need to get at. So, um, a, a lot of people just are named na- normal names. For me, I bear the burden of you know the militaristic con conquests that uh colonizing places and yeah, you, you're taking yes. on the sins of the city of london you feel that way that's right jack the ripper that oh yes yeah. pierce okay. morgan yes yes that's probably it's, the heaviest of all the burdens s club seven i don't know what that is it was a pop band a british pop band that i think had one song basically in 1997 no, oh, okay and Dr. Lennon, I have to imagine you feel that kind of like pressure. Yeah. No, and it's the it's shame one of, those of things a sophomore where... slump is just sort of resting on your shoulders every morning when you get up. Maybe it's one of those things like I can really, you know, 
uh, when I've met people named Paris, you know, whenever I, I read, uh, you know, those, uh, the, the mythology books, you know, the, the Paris character invading Troy, whatever Uh these characters I relate to, but if they don't have a city in their name, I, I I just don't see them as being on my level of in trauma and psychological pain. You're saying like someone named Paris isn't going to experience the same level of trauma that you do being named London. No, I'm I'm saying only someone named Paris would. I'm saying you have no idea, no idea what I go through. No, and I don't care to learn. Nope. I have zero interest in gaining knowledge about you or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it is one of those things where um, I, you know, Dr. Byrne, is there a way uh, with your patients, have you had any patients before who were named after cities and bore, bore the burden? You know, any, any New York Anyone named New York? I had a patient named Chicago Jackson. Whoa. Okay. He wound up in the loony bin. Yeah. But he was unwilling to work in therapy to deal with the weight of his name. (sighs) Okay. Okay. But I got to say, just from this brief time observing you two, Cameron, I don't think you're putting in 50% of the relationship. Absolutely not. Oh, you're totally aware of that. Oh, yeah. There is no way that I would put anywhere close to 50%. I would say maybe I'd cap out at like, I don't know. I don't want to say 10 because I think I can give a little bit more than 10%, but I definitely not more than 14. I would say 13%. And, t- yeah. and taking away percentage if you can. Yeah. If we could minimize that, that would be awesome. If we could get down to zero, that would be... But also... D- Dr. Byrne, I don't know anything about you. Like, I don't, why am I trusting, like, changing my entire worldview and my relationships with people? Can I, who? Well, who, uh, talk to Dr. Jack London. He'll vouch for me. Who are you? Like, who, what is, hmm? you come from clearly someplace that's not here, right? I'm from Ireland. Okay. Oh, that's right, because of all the grassy knolls that you roll around in. That's right. And I'm a board-certified psychoanalyst. So, and then the way you keep saying psychoanalyst, I don't like that. I don't know if that's specifically sort of a British thing, but are you... I'm Irish. Don't call me British. Irish thing. Are you psycho? No. I mean, if you've talked to me, I, I seem perfectly fine, don't I? Yes. Well, and... and uh... I guess. I mean, again, I know nothing about you. You've only sort of asked questions, which I love, because I do love being asked questions. Well, that's what a psychoanalyst does. Yes, he, he or she asks questions and guides you to see the truth about yourself. That's true. But it's just, you know, you're you're sort of just avoiding telling us who you are by then asking a question. We We asked, are you psycho? Because of the way you keep saying psychoanalyst, and then you said... You don't think I am, do you? Well, do you? Well, just to clarify here, we didn't ask that. That was that was Cameron asked the question, "Are you psycho?" Which I, that's not a question that I usually ask whenever I'm getting to know people. Um, yeah, I guess that's. I fair. know that is your go-to question when you're getting to know people, yeah, like a first date. Yeah. On your bumble. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm definitely yelling, are you psycho at people? Or, I mean, usually I'm not asking, I'm accusing. You are psycho. Stop stalking me. These people I've just started speaking to. So, Dr. Byrne, could you, um, yeah, just just to, I guess, give comfort to Cameron on this. Uh, could you tell us, 
maybe just some of your hobbies. We just want to humanize you for a second before, uh, you know, it just seems like Cameron's really uncomfortable with this. Yeah, just sell yourself to me and then then i'll trust your the your advice and you know then change my entire belief system to whatever you want okay well which would you want you want me to list my hobbies or do you want me to list my credentials i want to hear hobbies and i want to hear the fastest you've ever ran my hobbies football or soccer as you call it right rugby sea fishing reading okay and the fastest i've ever run was a hundred miles an hour. Whoa. Wait, was that recent? No, it was in, in another life, uh, years and years ago when I was in a different profession. Okay, I, I want to. Okay, so it was in a different profession, but not another life. Because for us, we're going back to our grandpa's lives. Yes, that's what you got for to you. do. Yeah, for you, was it your grandpa's life that you ran 100 miles an hour, or was it your own? It was my own life. life. I meant it uh, metaphorically. Or, okay, okay. You know, I just wanted to make sure. I was living a different life back then. Yeah, I want to hear more about, I mean, you're talking about an old profession here. I don't know very many professions that involve running beyond sports. Well, let's just say there's a few criminals off the streets because of me. What, were you... What that brings to mind is either you were an officer of the law or a vigilante. I was a vigilante of sorts, but the kind that okay. wears a cape and can fly. Yeah, okay, so this... Oh, okay, so the speed okay. thing is... That was honestly a great question. I feel like I nailed that question. That was really good. So, so I mean, so you're talking about you can... Fl- why would you... If you have the capability to fly, why would you pivot to a medical profession? Well, you got to go to school. That's what they tell you. I was in school. I had to pick a. I had to pick a major. I went with psychoanalysis. Yeah. Okay. Because I do remember reading. Um, well, especially as I, you know, b- bearing the burden of London, uh, being so close in proximity to Ireland, I, I keep up with this kind of news. So there were a lot of vigilante reports um, years ago. Uh, so someone who could run remarkably fast, someone who could fly. Well, the- uh, I, I, you, I, you're reminding me that's only half the story because there was a shocking amount, like the the rise in vigilantism was corresponded with the rise in dog nappings as well, and it was like super weird how they all happened in the exact same location. So the criminals were being taken care of, but there was someone sort of snatching these dogs and doing God knows what with them. So, yeah. does any of this sound familiar, Dr. Byrne? I remember the dog Scourge. Of course. I always okay. wondered who did it. But some things we'll never find out. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you were around pretty much every single time these dog nappings were going on. So, surely you saw, did you not see anyone familiar that maybe you I, saw uh, in multiple locations? Because we could get to the bottom of this. That'd be huge. Listen, I, I did witness a few dog nappings, but back oh. then, there was nothing I could do about it. Yeah, because it's not really a crime, so you can't stop it. I don't know for sure if that person owns that dog or not. The dog can't tell me, oh, this isn't my owner. Yeah. That's what people don't know. Like, that guy who shot Lady Gaga's dog walker, st- you can steal dogs anytime you want. Like, it's completely legal. Right. Because, again, dogs are owned by nature. That's a good point. So, yeah, it's also, well, that's your position on kidnapping as well. 
Yeah. That because humans are also I would have to disagree with you there. I, I I no, I also disagree, but that's I'm just saying Cameron's position is taking anything or anyone from a given place uh is is okay because, they because of nature. nature. Well, you're just yes. moving matter. That's all you're doing is you're just moving <laughs> atoms from one spot to another spot. And to say that that's a crime to me, I, to me that sounds crazy. It sounds like we're living in idiocracy or something. Dr. Smith, I think you might have to face the fact that the person you've decided to partner your podcast with is a sociopath, also known as a psychopath. That's yeah. what I've psychoanalyzed. Oh, you know, so, I, the, so you call yourself a psychoanalyst because you try to find psychos. That's right. I was sniffing you out the whole time. Oh, so and all those Dr. London, those times whenever you said still a vigilante, he's trying to hunt future supervillains by sniffing out the psychos. Yeah. Whenever you said like, you know, you know, vigilantes also have day jobs usually, right? Yeah, I guess so. But I. I figured the flying things you could monetize that really easily, so I guess I didn't question it that much. Yeah, just feels like, like just see, doing it and posting it on YouTube would earn you an infinite amount of money forever. But I, I could be wrong. I'm not in it for yeah. the money. I'm in it for seeking the truth. Yeah, in this case, letting a a podcast host know that he's uh, his producer's a sociopath. Yeah, and that I might well, turn into some sort of super villain that is pitted against you. It's very possible. But that's one thing. Just because I'm psycho doesn't necessarily mean that I'm evil. Like, just because, yes, I am trying to block out the sun, that's, I feel like that's going to be helpful this summer when everyone's a lot cooler. That's not I, for evil reasons. Yeah, I got to tell you, I disagree with you on that. I think people like the sun. They, like, they got to get their vitamin D. You're going to deprive them of their vitamin D. No, because you can get vitamin D from oranges, and cuties are so popular right now. You know what I mean? Like, mandarin oranges are so cool. That's a good point. So I, I hadn't think thought about yeah, that. Every, I think it's all going to be fine. And just, it's so hot when it gets hot. You know what I mean? So I just think, you know, temperature goes above 75 degrees, sort of a shade thing. It's kind of a big umbrella, comes out, blocks the sun. So and then it... <laughs> It's like dark for six or seven days after that to just cool things down a bit. I mean, Doctor Smith, are you? S- then it opens back up. It's like a it's like a superdome. I, I mean, I think your podcast producer is some kind of evil genius that needs to be brought to justice. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's and and to to be clear, I did, I don't have the mechanisms for this. I'm more of a Steve Jobs idea guy, and I have not been able to find my was. He has who can he's like, done a actually lot of do the things. He doesn't have means. Most of what he he has a lot of projects that he's undertaken. You know, uh, for for regular listeners listeners to the podcast, he, he has a lot of these um, projects that go I on. See. A lot of uh, a, a lot of these these ordeals that he goes through. But um, I, I, he just doesn't have the funding. Aside from what he siphons from me, uh, he doesn't have the funding to pull off blotting out the sun, yeah. launching, blowing up the moon. You know, threatening government. And again, I'm a big picture guy. Ideas. I I thought of the iPhone before that even came out. Like February 2007, I said, "What if they? What if a phone could be an iPod?" Yeah, I, you were there, Doctor Doctor Smith. Can you confirm this? Well, I don't want to. Okay, you don't yeah, want to he... enable me. Do it. Enable no. me, bitch. All right, 
we let's not use that kind of language. Let's keep this civil. Sorry, yeah. I, What's know. another way to say that? Uh, yeah, Cameron. Maybe What's another enable way? Enable me, bastard. Well, Doctor Smith, did you know your father? I, you know, with all this focus on my grandfather, I hardly. Uh, oh yeah, no, I had a very loving father. Oh, all right. There you go. Well, then you're not the bastard. Okay. Yeah. So, so Cameron, doctor, remember we talked about this. Doctor is the term doctor. we use. Doctor, okay. Doctor, yeah. London. Well, and, doctor. you know, I, I feel like we're, we're hitting a really good spot here. Maybe it's time to um, focus on chores a oh, little bit. Oh, God. Do we have to? We've covered so much ground. You know, I, granted, doctor. The second we start to figure out your messed up brain, you want to pivot to something else. Yeah, well, it's just, you know, like, and it's, you know, we all work within our means, and I I, I think it's just good for, you know, clean house, clean mind. Do, Dr. Dr. Um, Byrne, is, am, I, am I the only psycho person in this room right now? That would be my belief. I believe that... Dr. Smith has some deep-rooted problems with his willingness to work with you, and you're the psycho. It's, a, it's essentially a, a, an abusive relationship. Yeah, but you, if, it's sort of two sides if you think that a psycho would need another psycho to be friends with. I don't. I don't right. agree with you. Scientifically, I, think, I know. I think psychos find someone to to latch onto that will make a podcast for them to produce, so they don't have to do it themselves. Yeah, that is. I mean, I am producer Cameron, but I don't really do any of the work. It sounds like this this DJ Dylan does everything. Yes. Yeah, DJ Dylan that is does true. most everything, and then Doctor London does everything else. And you're just here. <laughs> I'm an I'm an ideas guy. I'm a big picture guy. Did, was it was the podcast your idea? Ooh. Um. So I didn't have that big picture idea. So you did. But I have. No. Well, if we're getting to the bottom of here, is you do nothing, camera. You do nothing for the relationship. And I would I would say whatever he says, he's an ideas guy. He just ha- he doesn't share them. Yeah. If you don't put them into the world, what's the point? Oh. He just thinks of ideas sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Well, and then sometimes it's like it's mostly just dreams. So I don't even remember them when I get up. Five five minutes later, it's like, oh, what was I dreaming about? And so that's most of, I think, what I do to the podcast. You're an ideas guy when you're unconscious. Yeah. Well, Dr. Smith, I think you and and DJ Dylan need to really take a close look at your relationship with Cameron and figure out how you want to realign it. Yeah, I mean, most I guess most of what Cameron usually does is find the guest. And it sounds like you were just you were a referral from from Dr. Jack London. So, so even that, uh, yeah. So even that, I. Okay, yeah. I guess it is something to really re-examine, and um, you know, Cameron, maybe you could try to help right now. We got we got a chore to do, right? Fine, I can do. This can be part of my thirteen percent. Yeah, could you explain the chore wheel? Sure. So, for our listeners who are unfamiliar. Dr. London and I, because of our laziness, have neglected a very, very long to-do list. We haven't taken out the trash in months. Uh, We haven't fed any of the cats. I don't know what they're eating, but I have to assume it's one of the other cats. And We started a farm, but we didn't... uh, Our next thing on the list to do was to buy, you know, 
half of the animals and the feed it, and everything. So they're wandering we, around. It's it's been pretty awful. So we to to knock off some of these chores that we have to get done, we created this huge chore wheel that we spin every single week, and whatever chore it lands on, we have to do. And Dr. Byrne, would you would you be able to join us and sort of help out a little bit? Absolutely. Hopefully it's not something like mop the floors or something like that. But if it is, you kind of have to do it. So Well, psychoanalysis can apply to anything. Okay, perfect. Okay. Even mopping. Okay, so actually, would you give the, uh, the wheel a little bit of a spin? Here we go. Okay. Oh, no. Not this one. Okay, no, I I knew this would come up, and I was, you know, at this point now, I'm wishing it was mopping the floor. Yeah. Because, well, the uh, mayor's been hounding us about this one for a while. So the mayor uh, did call us up a while ago. Uh, we've, you know, he he's he he follows a podcast, and he tells us like you need to really uh, appeal to children more, and you know, our he, he I know our he basically marketing said is to children. Most of the children in this town are hoodlums and little brats, and he said that we need to maybe put out more material that teaches them how to be not so bratty, basically. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so that's he 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 brought us in to write a children's book. Yeah, specifically to to teach a valuable lesson. Yes. And so, so we got to figure this out. We're going to just knock this out really quickly because otherwise the mayor is going to be super pissed. And so we need to, uh, all right. I mean, how do, how do we even start this? I have zero idea. I've never read a book or written a book or I don't know. I thought you were the big idea guy. Well, yeah, but my ideas are, they're just, they're so large that they couldn't fit in like a book. No, let's. Let's stick with what what you know, though, Cameron, because what you know is that your ideas happen while you're asleep. So maybe it could be a going to sleep type book. Okay. So yeah. it's a book about going to sleep or like a book about what happens when you go to sleep or or what's the valuable lesson being taught? Uh, I mean, sleep is super healthy for you. Okay. In, you know, in the right doses. So... Maybe it could be, you know, this could be one of those things, and I know this is kind of weird for children's books, but it could be one of those books that's kind of oriented towards uh, children that are going to sleep. Like, you read them a book before they go to sleep. Just okay. Just kind of like... A bedtime story, yeah. I'm not familiar with the term, but... um. Oh, okay, yeah. So this is... Uh, so I guess... You, what you, you lost me What there. you're wanting is a book that's so boring that's going to cause even a fussy little bratty child to pass out. As if he took a pill. Yeah, or, I mean, maybe not boring, just something that will knock them out. You know how, like I said, a sleeping, a pill that you take before you go to bed. Anyway, something like that. Oh, so, okay, so then maybe the book should just be about the different kind of, like maybe about like a little kid who every time he takes a fun sleepy time pill, he goes on a fun adventure, right? Okay. And teaches kids to take, you know, a Benadryl every single night before they go to bed. Right, okay. Um... Dr. Byrne, are you feeling this? Are you, is this... Look at what's happening. You're working together. Wow. Okay. Chores are helping you to work together. I've never, haven't seen you two get along that well in this whole, this whole 40-some minutes we've been together. Okay. The, yeah, yeah, maybe this is the way. What brought us together is child ambient. That's right. Okay, so... Um, 
you know, I guess I guess these books don't have to be so long because they are for children who Yeah. Well, let's title it first. Yeah, so title. Um uh how about like I take the same pills as mommy and daddy? Okay. Yeah, and once again, I don't, you know, I don't see or interact with children that often anymore. So so it's I'm going to go a little bit on your expertise. Uh, you know, so medically I can't speak to this so much, but Sure, yeah. Okay. So from my experience, kids and Ambien are a great combination. And it helps them sleep and they sleep for like like 36 hours every time. Okay. It, you do know that uh, I am sworn to turn, if any, anyone confesses a crime to me, I'm sworn to turn them in. Yeah. And sleepy children is not a crime. I know for a fact <laughs> that children being sleepy is not a crime. All right. You should not throw these kids in jail just because they're so sleepy. You think that children would be imprisoned? Yeah, there's no reason to arrest these kids just because they're sleeping for like 36 hours at a time. I mean, D- Dr. Byrne... I just, I just want to make sure on that. Like, do you are you agreeing with him on that point or absolutely not? No. Okay. I'm saying that Cameron insinuated he was going to give pills to children, and I'm saying that because of my Hippocratic oath that I believe you, Doctor Smith, must also have taken. Yes. Yes. That if I find out someone's to be harmed, I've got to turn them in. That's no. That's right. And you know, thank you <laughs> well, for holding not, me to it, Doctor Bird. Uh, we're, we're not passing out Ambien to these kids. We're just in the book. The character is taking one of his mommy's ambience i think this is a bad lesson to teach children okay and it doesn't help that we this podcast is heavily marketed towards six-year-old children i just wanted to say i just wanted to say i spent some time in liverpool too that's that's why my accent is flying between ireland and a beetle i okay yeah i am now that you mention it specifically i am hearing it but yes yes that all that all tracks okay so um okay so so the book starts out uh tommy boy is um wondering what to do for the Mm -hmm. night okay tommy boy is is thinking and this is you know a reference to the movie this is the younger version of tommy boy uh uh, the chris farley type so uh tommy boy is looking around what should i do for bed and he sees now. Do you think it's appropriate to have a Chris Farley type who is also maybe taking pills? That, that's good. I'm I'm glad we have so much accountability on this podcast. That's something that we've been missing. So... I don't mind it. I'm just asking if that was a good idea. I'm gonna have to go with Cameron on this one. I, I I think both of your guys' ideas for the book are very dangerously close to having causing children to hurt themselves. That's definitely not true. I'm just more ups- like I don't want to upset the Farley estate. Okay, yeah, that's, um, and I guess for whatever reason, Tommy Boy's the first b- boy name that popped into my head. But maybe let's go for something more. Tommy gener- Cruz. What? Tommy Cruz, maybe. Okay, Tommy Cruz. Yeah. Okay, I, I was I was gonna say let's just go gender neutral, considering the the age we're in, with a less you know a gene or way. a pat. Yes, let's say Gene. So Gene is there, and. Okay. Gene wants to go to bed and that's because that's what every kid wants well I was gonna say I mean kids typically don't want to go to bed oh right no I didn't really I just remembered like I know how much I want to go to sleep sometimes so I assume okay so they don't want to 
Okay. Okay. I think, I mean, I thought that was the point of this book was to encourage kids yeah. who don't want to go to bed to go to bed. No. Okay. Okay. So, and so maybe it's like a fuzzy kid who doesn't want to go to bed, but then maybe like some sort of a creature or like a demon or something speaks to him. <laughs> a demon. What are you talking about? You're going to scare the hell out of these kids. I'm just trying to imagine like when I was a kid, what would I want to appear before me to convince me to take a pill to enter some sort of a magical land. And I, the first thing that pops, yeah, like a demon-y sort of creature, maybe like a hooved guy. You're describing the devil, Cameron. No, I don't think the big guy himself is going to like be that invested in just a random kid. You refer to the devil as the big guy? Won't he? Yeah, uh, you know, sometimes. You sound like you're personal friends with him. No, again, I feel like too important, too busy. There's no way. So Gene, Gene is, uh, Gene is being told by his parents who we're going to put, maybe we'll go in a different direction. His parents have Halo, sorry, not his, uh, Gene, the human child. Uh Uh-huh. Um, their parents have halos around them. Okay. And they are saying, maybe it's time for bed. And then Gene says, okay, does this sound good? That's it? Uh, I mean, now that I'm realizing we have to walk this kind of tightrope, we can't encourage them to take pills because that might be morally bad mm. um, or ethically okay. at least. Well, then why don't you, how about the book just spends a lot of time on like different locations where pills might be found and then just leaves it at that? Okay. Then they can choose to do it or not to do it. That's up to them. Okay. So Gene looks up at the cabinet where the, the medicine cabinet. And then it says it's usually in one of the side ones. And then maybe like there's sort of instructions on like how you're supposed to press down on the lid and turn. Like you can't just turn it. Cause that's the childproof lock. I, I'm going to okay. have to jump in again. You're more or less still encouraging children to take pills. I think we're just teaching life lessons. Well, I, no, this is, this is one of those things where like, I'm really appreciating having another physician in the the talks here because normally it's just my guy and like and maybe I've kind of dropped a little bit of my professionalism over time because these suggestions do come often. So Dr. Byrne, thank you. We'll we'll incorporate this idea of maybe not telling them how to open the pill bottles. Okay. So Gene so let's the the leaving it blank might be okay. So Gene looks up at the medicine cabinet, mm-hmm. considers and we can write considers dot 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 uh-huh. And then looks at bed, and maybe next to bed is glass of milk. Okay. Ooh, I mean, do we? Do you want to be on that side of history? You don't think things are sort of like gearing more towards veganism as time goes on? Okay. So I. So my attempt was to find something that wasn't so controversial as a method to help a child sleep. Yeah, but you're talking about the dairy industry. Yeah. Okay. So so for you, you don't draw the line at ambient for a child for you no. it's the cheese milk yeah yeah okay um yeah okay so but so I, the kid just goes to bed so it's a two-page book yeah the first page is the kid doesn't want to go to bed on the second page he's looking at a cabinet and then he looks at the bed so i guess three pages and the third page is he goes to bed great done that was easy. This, i think this yeah. is going to transform our community this is a great book 
Okay. Thank you, Dr. Byrne. And with your endorsement. Would you be willing to be, a, yeah, like put your, I'll write the foreword or the, what's it called? The epigraph or whatever. Oh, yes. yes. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. We, no, the foreword would be great. And you want to do, you know, give us a good three pages of foreword. Then we'll have three, two or three pages of book. And that'll be, that'll be great. Um, you got yourself a full book there. Yeah. All right. Well, um, wow. I, well, first let's, we have to, um, destroy. So, so the chore wheel is, yeah, the chore wheel is built with a certain number of chores and we have new chores thrown in every week. So we do have to destroy this one. Um, so this would, Dr. Byrne, would you do the honors? There's a, there's an ax in the corner there. And if you could just try to chop at the, um, the chore wheel, just chop it down. All right. Just chop it up, beat the hell out of it. Let me grab the ax and chop away. Oh, wow, he's so fast. He's so fast. Whoa. See, again, I feel like you're way underutilizing the actual superpowers that you have. Well, boys, I've got to be going. I see you got an open window over there with no screen. Okay, well, uh, you know, b- before we you go, would you like to, um, you know, share with any of our listeners how to keep up with you? Or maybe you know someone with something that uh, they'd like to keep up with? I've really been enjoying this podcast, Bald Talk, hosted by Brian Husky and Charlie Sanders. You can find it on Instagram, at Bald Talk Pod. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard some of that. That's uh, it's a lot of fun, a lot of funny guests as well. Yeah, had many great guests on. Thank you for, for coming on the podcast, uh, Dr. Charbriel Byrne, and uh, thank you and for, you know, for all the lives you saved as a vigilante, for all the criminals you put away. It's no problem. I do it. I do it for the good of humanity. And yeah, maybe just while, if you're, if you're around town, maybe just keep an eye out for those missing dogs. Cause I, I, I just, just keep an, I know nothing about that, but sure. Yes. I'll keep my eyes open. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> that, that was a strong denial. Okay. So, um, and thank you to, uh, our producer, Cameron. Uh, thank you to digital in the house. Dr. Smith, I think you might have to face the fact that the person you've decided to partner your podcast with is a sociopath, also known as a psychopath. Psychopath. It's essentially an abusive relationship. An abusive relationship. It sounds like this, this DJ Dylan does everything. Yes, yes, yes. Dr. Lennon Smith, and this has been the Jock Dog Podcast. See ya.